Welcome everyone, Baruchim Abayim. We are continuing our study of Simcha. We are in class number 76. This class has been sponsored in memory of Emil Sabag, Alava Shalom, Leilui Nishmat, Emil Yaakov, Ben Nahan. Ruach Alumat, Emihainu Beganayden, Amen. We started the subject of humility last week, or last class. We explained in short that humility is perhaps the most necessary characteristic to develop a close relationship with the creator of the world and by extension is perhaps the most necessary characteristic to develop great relationships in general most importantly marriage, children, friendships like we mentioned when we start the Amidah the first word out of our mouth before we even get to say what we want to say is the word Baruch Baruch is a sign of humility. We explained in short last week, last week wasn't short, but we, in short I'm gonna say, that humility just basically means that you don't take credit for things that you didn't do. You don't give yourself value for things you're not valuable. You don't put yourself above others for accomplishments that didn't come from you. Humility is the ability to live life with honesty. I'd like to share with you today one of the great challenges or the great areas of challenge when it comes to humility. When a person does so much for others, whether it's a spouse, a child, student, a friend, there is an inherent feeling of being owed respect, honor, praise. And for such a person in that relationship, there is a very strong pull to feel or to act with arrogance. I have done everything for you. I do everything for you. You owe me your life. And such feelings that we can have, of course those feelings come with very close relationships. And it's specifically in those relationships that we can become most arrogant. Which means that in normal relationships, 
I wouldn't say it's easy to be humble, but it's easier to be humble. A person you don't see that often, a person you don't do that much for. You may feel like you're the king of the world or the queen of the world, but it doesn't come out in those relationships as often as it does in the ones that are close. Because in a close relationship, usually you've done and continue to do so much for that person. So while you might feel humble with your Creator, and you might feel like, of course, everything that I have is from Hashem, I know my looks are not from me, so I don't take pride for that. I know that my accomplishments, my brain, my ideas, He gave me, I'm not taking credit for that. So I'm good. I came to last week's class, I got it. I'm being more honest. I'm not going to take credit for things I didn't do. But when it comes to people that you've done so much for, and like I said, continue to do, there is a very big trap when dealing with those people. It's the trap of feeling that these people owe you their life. And therefore you are so much superior. You're so above them. Which of course will lead you to talk to them in a certain tone. Maybe talk down to them. Maybe belittle them. Anger is much more found in close relationships than the relationships that are just friendly. The reason is because arrogance is very, very strong in that relationship. And therefore anger is much more common. That's why, interestingly enough, the people that we love the most and the people that we're closest to are the people that we can become most arrogant with. So you have this person who comes to the Bet Knesset and talks to Hashem with humility. It's a big accomplishment. I'm not saying that's easy. But let's say you accomplished that. You did it. You come in front of the Creator and say, I owe you everything. I'm not taking credit for the things that I didn't do. Beautiful. My prayers are beautiful. My normal relationships are good. I'm not going to show off to the, to the other guy who's walking there or to the neighbor down the block. I'm not doing that. Whatever gifts I have, God gave me. Why do I have to show myself over them? I'm good. I'm doing great in this subject of humility. So hard to believe that it's going to catch you and trap you in the most important relationships of your life. You can have Hashem done, you can have your neighbors done, you can have even your friends done. You're good. I say you're good, I'm not saying again, it's not easy. It takes a long time to get that good. But even if you've got that beautifully done, 
But then it's going to come and grab you right in the place where it hurts most. It's going to get you in your home. It's going to get you in your marriage. It's going to get you with your children. It's going to get you with your students. If you're a leader and you help people, it's going to get you right by the people that you help. If you're charitable and you support so many people and so many organizations, it's going to hurt you a lot. It's only natural. I've been paying your bills for the last two years. Don't I deserve a little more respect from you? I changed your diapers. I stayed up all night at the doctor with you. Don't I deserve a little more than that? I've been in the kitchen for three days. I don't deserve a little more than that? And you'll fill in a thousand more examples on the spot. Those things happen with close people, close relationships. So as you've mastered the subject of humility, and you're feeling great, because we spoke about how humility is going to make your life super beautiful and super happy, and it's the right thing to do. And all of a sudden, you get caught in the worst place. And I came today to warn you about this trap. And by the way, our feelings in such relationships seem to be supported by the Torah. As a mother and father, Torah says to a child, Honor your father and mother. Be in awe of your mother and your father. Oh wow, look at that. Even Hashem says that you should do more for me. You gotta respect your rabbi. See that? Even God says you have to do this. Hakarata tov. The theme of appreciation and hakarata tov is all over the Torah. Torah teaches us to even have hakarata tov to rocks, to stones, to sand, to water. I did more than that for you. So not only is this feeling natural, it's also supported by the Torah. I'm owed, and the Torah says it too. I'm your mother, take out the Ten Commandments. Look good, study it. That makes it even more dangerous. It's one thing to have feelings. It's another thing to have a support of the Creator behind you. Now you feel 100% in the right. Now there's no turning back. Now there's no convincing me otherwise. Nobody's going to come here and convince me that my son and my daughter shouldn't be doing more for me. 
No one's going to convince me that that family that I've been supporting for three years shouldn't be coming to my doorstep and kneeling in front of me. On their knees, thank you. I have the support. It's not just my desires. This is real. This is emet. It's the truth. Very hard to sway people who have the truth with them. So let me share with you some information that I think we need to understand. This might be a little hard to hear, and you'll forgive me if it's hard to your ears. If we looked at the situation honestly, and let's take the most awesome kindness that is done on this planet, which is a mother to a child. I would say parent, but I think mother is even greater. How much does your child owe you? The more years pass, the more they owe you. But let's think honestly about the situation. Take yourself out of it for a moment. Because talking intellectual with emotional people is impossible. If you would be honest, and I would be honest, we would realize that the majority of what you've done for your children, actually Hashem did for you. Like for example, Hashem gave you this child. You didn't have the child. It's not your child. You cannot make a child. Ask so many people that are suffering, that desperately want a child. It's not in your hands to have a child. You don't know how to do that. You're not capable of that. So to say something like, what do you mean? You owe me your life. I brought you into this world. No, you didn't. That's a lie. I know you're probably asking a question now in your mind. Just be patient. Not only did Hashem give this child to you, He gave you the strength to be able to deal with the child. Children are not easy, as you know. One is not easy, two is triply as hard, three is, I don't know how many times harder. A person who has three children at home can't imagine having six. One who has six can't imagine 12. One who has 12 can't imagine 18. Imagine 18 children that you're raising. Is that, is, that, is that possible? One person told me, I have one, I still can't. I'm not functioning. 
18, what does that mean? But guess what? There are people of 18 children. I'm not necessarily, necessarily recommending that. <laughs> but how do they take it how do they take care of 18 children? How is that possible? How is that humanly possible? The answer is it's not possible. Unless God gives you the strength. And by the way, even one is impossible. For which person in your life would you be able to give up everything in your life, including your sleep, including your exercise, including the things that you enjoy to do, including vacations, including your free time? For which person in humanity would you do this for one day? Give one person your entire day. And if you found a person for one day, how many would you do? How many days could you do it for? Two days, three days, four days? What happens to you? You run out of steam. Even for your own parents, you run out of steam. I can't do this anymore. How long could you live your life for somebody else? Putting them in the front and you way behind. If we haven't seen a mother taking care of a child, we would say it's impossible what she is doing. Impossible. We like our space. We like our time. We like our things. Yes, once in a while we'll help somebody. We'll do somebody a favor. We'll visit someone at the hospital. But I should spend an entire day, an entire week, an entire year, my entire life? You would think it's impossible. And guess what? It is impossible. Sometimes in a home, children are making noise, they're fighting, they're screaming. And yet the parents never throw them out. You ever see a mother divorcing her child? Say, I'm done with you? Sending the lawyer's papers tomorrow? I'm disowning you? Never happens. I can't say never, there are sick people. But it never happens in a real world. But people are getting divorced all the time. Because sometimes it's unbearable. What a child does to her mother, to his mother, is way more unbearable than any husband. But yet, you can handle it. The house is flying with your children. But you're handling it. But notice, if your neighbor's child came to stay with you for a couple of hours, and they don't like make as much noise as your children, but they did something that was not what they're supposed to do, send them home. 
whole day. You know why you're able to do it? Because God gave you the strength. That's why. And you know why you can't take care of 18 children? Because you don't have them. Because if you would have 18, He would give you strength for 18. It's not your strength. Not only gave you the strength, He gave you the wisdom, He gave you the food to help them. And maybe above all, He gave you the love. I know it seems natural to love your children. But when did it become natural to love somebody more than you love yourself? How is that natural? Where did that happen? Where does it ever happen? A child comes out and day one, you, you, ha you haven't even done anything to the kid. You love him. Where'd that love come from? The Havot of Allah says that love was given by the Creator because otherwise you could not bear all the pain, all the difficulty to raise that child would be impossible for you with all the strength that God gives you. You'd burn out. Hashem gives you this love that's beyond imagination. We could only imagine it because we see it. But if we didn't see it, we would think it's impossible. Such a love for someone that did nothing for you. All they did is take away your sleep. They took away your free time. They took away your vacation. They took away your money. And much more. And you love them. It's a God-given love. So that you'll be able to do what you can do or what you need to do and not feel so bad about it. So Hashem gives you this great feeling of love towards that child. You don't have it for the neighbor's child. By the way, the neighbor's child is better looking than yours. He's smarter than yours. He's more behaved than yours. But your child, you just can't get over it. It's a God-given love to a mother for her children. So, so much of what you gave that child actually was Hashem giving that child through you. By the way, in general, when people do kindness for each other, so much of that kindness is the creator of the world. Who put compassion in our hearts? Is compassion such an automatic in a creation? Does a rock have compassion? Is it automatic that we humans have 
compassion when we see someone in need, someone down? You and I both know we've seen people in life that are needy and our hearts start to melt. And it's almost, almost as if we're forced to help them. Where does that come from? That compassion we didn't make, it was given to us. That feeling of, I want to do for somebody in need, kindness, is a characteristic that God put in us. Of course, we have the choice to choose or not to choose, but He gave it to us. Let's not believe for a moment that when we help this child, when we raise this child, that we brought this child into this world, that all of that is us. That's a lie. The overwhelming majority of all of what we did is what Hashem gave us. So really it's not, do you know what I did for you? That's not really what happened. Do you know what Hashem did for you? Now you might be asking yourself, and I'm sure you are, especially if you're a good mother. But wait, Rabbi, hold on. Didn't I choose to be a good mother? Could I have not had a child altogether? Wasn't that my choice to at least want a child? Couldn't I have, I have not fulfilled my responsibilities like some others out there might not be fulfilling? Didn't I choose to use the love that God gave me? Didn't I choose to use the strength that God gave me? Don't I get credit for that too? I could have been on vacation, traveling, let my kids be growing up with other people. I didn't. Don't I get credit for that? Isn't that me? Did you strip all my credit? So I'm not that evil. And actually it would be unfair. And it would be dishonest to say to a mother, you've done nothing. The answer is of course. Of course you get credit for trying. Of course you get credit for making good decisions. It's a small part. You know, someone gave you a huge nuclear engine and you just turned it on. So of course you get credit for that. Of course you get credit for making good choices and wanting to do the right thing and putting effort. But ultimately with all your good choices and all your effort, without all the tools that you've been given, you would have gotten nowhere. What good is the choice to help someone if you don't have the tool to help them? What good is the choice to have a child if you can't have one? So of course we have a little bit of the credit. But the overwhelming majority of what, chi what that child got was not from us. Maybe it went through us, 
but it's not from us. And yes, we do get some credit. And it is that credit that the Torah recognizes and says to a child, honor your parents. Look what they did for you. But be careful. It doesn't mean your entire existence is because of them. That's not what it means. It means for the choices and the effort and all those decisions that they could have not chosen, they chose right. You owe them. Even for the 1%, you owe them. Because hakarat tov is endless. So of course they owe you. But not for everything. They owe you for a little bit. It is that way with the mother. It is that way with the philanthropist who's supporting poor people, giving money to yeshivas. It is that way with a rabbi and students. Of course they owe you a little bit. You come into a class to teach. Guess what? Your wisdom, God gave it to you. Your brain, God gave it to you. Your mouth, God gave it to you. Your legs, God gave it to you. Your hands, your motions, God gave it to you. So you took everything that God gave you and basically said, I'm going to use it. So you press the button. It's good. It's nice. It's a small part. For that, says the Torah, you got you to respect your rabbi. Look what he did for you. He pressed the button. So for sure, there is a little bit of us in what we've done for others. That we cannot take away, because that's the truth. But let me tell you a little bit about that part, that 1%. Kindness, hesed, is a one-way street. It's not a two-way relationship. Once hesed becomes a two-way relationship, it's no longer hesed. Meaning, if I'm going to help you because I'm doing you a hesed, and you, meaning the person who's doing the kindness, is expecting something in return for your kindness, whatever it might be, money, respect, a compliment. If you expect anything from the person you've done kindness to, then you could erase the word kindness because you no longer did any kindness. You invested, that's all you did. You want people to talk nice about you. So you did kindness. You want one, one day, you want your children one day to put you on a pedestal. So you're investing, that's all. People invest all the time. 
they give people a lot of money. Not kindness money, investment money, because they want more in return at some time in the near or far future. There's nothing wrong with an investment, but it's not kindness. When you pay the person behind the counter at the pizza store, you're not doing him kindness. You're not giving him money to be kind. You're investing in your pizza. Kindness is a one-way street. The minute it becomes a two-way street, the minute it becomes, oh, you know what I did for you? Do you know I supported you for three years? That statement crosses out your kindness. Because once you expect something back, it's no longer kindness. And all kindness is like that. Whether it's to your children, whether it's to your husband, whether it's to your neighbors, it doesn't matter what you do and for whom. If it's kindness, it's a one-way street. There are no expectations on your end. There should not be any expectations. As hard as it might sound, but that's the truth. Kindness that comes with expectation is no longer kindness. You'll ask me, what about the Torah? It says to honor their parents. Oh, of course, the recipient owes you. Of course, the person who you've done so much kindness for owes you. That's their hakarata tov. They got benefit from you. Of course, they owe you. They owe you till no end. You're their mother, you're their father. They owe you endless amount of gratitude. There's no question about that. Torah says to the child, honor your parents. Does not say to the parents, make sure your children honor you. Torah talks to the recipient, not the giver. It's a little difficult. Not so easy to do this. It's a big S. That I can do so much for someone and expect nothing. It's very hard. But at least let's all agree that that's the truth. Because if you're doing me a kindness and you expect something, it's not kindness anymore. I owe you because you gave me. That's my account. That's my page. But you have no right to demand it. Or to expect it. So therefore, what is it that you're being arrogant over the people that you're helping. You know what I did for you? I raised you. I oh hold on. I'm not. First of all, the majority is not you. 
and I thought the rest was your kindness. Now you're demanding from me something? You want something in exchange? That's no good. And besides all of that, if that's not enough, let me give you another step. The fact that you were able to give your child or your neighbor or your student, you are really the biggest beneficiary. Wait, you're telling your daughter, you know what I did for you? You know, in Shamayim, your daughter's gonna tell you, you know what I did for you? You're gonna tell the poor person, you know what I did for you? In the lens of heaven, the poor person will tell you, do you know what I did for you, sir? You did for me, what did you do for me? I supported you for 30 years, what did you do for me? You think that Hashem couldn't support me? You think God couldn't give me the money directly? There was a man, a Roman, by the name of Ternus Rufus. And he asked Rabbi Akiva the following question. He says, if your God loves poor people so much, so why didn't he give them money? That's a very deep question. But he was asking in essence, you know, there are some people who don't like to give money. And sometimes they even take a philosophy, like, let, let them work. I work hard for my money. Why should I give them my money? Each person for himself. If I give them money, maybe I'm even hurting them. You've heard people say things like that. But this man had a deeper explanation. He said, it's wrong to give money. It's against the Creator's wishes to give money. Don't you believe the Creator could do anything He wants? Of course. Isn't He kol yachol, able, in every area, with every person? Of course. So says Turnus Rufus, he says, I don't get it. If the Creator of the world who can do anything He wants decided He's not giving this person money, He wants him to be Ani. How could you go against His wishes and give money to Ani? If He wanted him to have money, He would have given him Himself. What a question. But there's something that this Roman was missing. You see, in his eyes, he looked at the world that we are here 
to assist the Creator. In reality, Hashem made the person Ani so that He can give me and you the ability to be like Him. How would we practice kindness if we don't have anybody to help? If everyone has money and everyone is healthy and everyone is strong and everyone when they're born they're already self-sufficient. You ever think why a child has to be born in the way he is, so helpless? Why couldn't the Creator make people born on their feet, ready to go? Why did Hashem make so many needy people in so many ways? People need respect, people need a good word, people need a compliment, people need so much help. We need help when we're little, we need help when we get older, we need help, God forbid, if we're sick. We need help when somebody passes away. We need help. We all need help. Everybody needs help. There's nobody that can live without somebody helping them. Why did Hashem make the world that way? Why didn't He make a perfect world where we would come out? You know, there are people out there that dream. They have dreams. They're good people. It's come from a good place. They dream of a world where there would be no one needy. They dream of a perfect world where everyone would have everything they need. No one would need money, no one would need food, no one would be unhealthy, no one would need anything. How beautiful is such a world? That is the dream of many people, good people, who see the pain of those who are in need and they say to themselves, one day, just one day, maybe the world will become perfect. Where everybody would have everything that they need. No more organizations to help the poor. No more people to help to heal the sick. We don't need that anymore. Shut down Bikur Holim, shut down the food fund, shut down every organization, shut down every school because each child will come already learned, already understanding, already educated. What a world where nobody needs anybody else. The Creator is a lot smarter than us, and a lot kinder than us. You know what will be missing in that world, that perfect world? What will be missing is the perfect you. Because the perfect me and the perfect you can only happen when we have opportunities to give, to become godly, to become like the creator of the world. How would we, we practice this godliness if nobody else needs us? So you know what he does? He does the biggest favor in the world. He gave us a child that is helpless so that we just start giving and giving and giving. Even people who were the most selfish human beings on the planet when they were single 
And they got married and became just as selfish. But all of a sudden they have a child and just something else happens to them. Sometimes you see your daughter or your son and they're acting so selflessly with their children. You can't believe what you're watching. This selfish boy. You believe the way he is giving to his children? What happened to him? The answer is, Hashem gives us opportunities. He doesn't give up on us. So if we're selfish when we're single, he's another opportunity. He almost forces our hand. He makes us love this child so much, and he makes him so helpless that there's no choice, basically. The other choice is basically let him to die. He can't do that. So then you're forced to give. He basically forces you in to become a giver. That's why people out there are needy. People are needy not because God can't give them. We're all needy. I say people are we're all needy. You know, when we think of needy, we think of money. It's not just money. We're all needy of people's nice words and smiles and compliments and a phone call and a visit and an invitation. And a visit. We're all needy. There's a reason. It's not for the needy. It's for those people that can fill the need. No, it would not be a perfect world if everybody was kind, if everyone was, excuse me, perfect. There'd be no godliness in this world. Everyone would just take care of themselves. The Roman was missing that. He thought we're doing the poor guy a favor. We're not doing him a favor. We're doing ourselves a favor. If we had good lenses, we would see the poor guy turning to us and say, do you know what I'm doing for you? To accept your charity? Do you understand? Your little child will turn to you and say, Mom, do you understand what I did for you? I changed your life. You used to be this selfish teenager that only thought about yourself. Do you know what I did for you? I brought out your godliness. You gave me some milk. I gave you godliness. You think there's a comparison to that? That's what Abiy Akiva told this Roman. God doesn't need our help. The mitzvot are for us. The opportunities are for us. That is why a child is born incomplete. A boy is born incomplete. And we need to give him brit milah. The same Roman, Turner Rufus. Says to Rabbi Akiva, I don't understand. If God wanted the kid to have a brit milah, he could have been born that way. What are you guys doing? Going against the wishes of the Creator. You don't think God can make someone complete? You need to go and make him and cut him to be complete? What are you doing? Again, this, again, the same idea. And he told him 
that Hashem gave us a world that we need to complete, not because He can't complete it, because He wants us to do it. In fact, when Hashem made the world in six days, the Torah reports, when Hashem made different creations, it says Hashem saw, Kitov, wow, it's good. The word Tov in God's language means perfect. It doesn't mean perfect. Good in Hashem's words means perfect. Our good is, is a relative good. When we say someone is good, it just means they're better than others. When Hashem says good, it means perfect. Hashem saw the elephant, he says perfect. He saw the eagle, he said perfect. Until you got to the creation of mankind, over there there's no word tov. Surprising. The purpose of creation. Don't say tov about that. The Sefer Haikarim writes beautifully. That mankind wasn't created perfect. To give them the opportunity to perfect themselves. Because that's the purpose of their existence. To make themselves godly. If God would make us perfect, then what did we do? What did we accomplish? It's not godliness to be given perfection. God's not a taker. The perfection that we need to make has to come from within us. So we're not told when we're born. We have a lot of challenges. Selfishness, jealousy, anger, continue, a lot. It's for a reason. So we can make ourselves tall. The elephant is perfect. Maybe in 10 or 20 years, he'll gain more weight. But he's the same elephant. The way he was created is the way he is going to finish. It's on a time clock. It's all done already from the get-go. Every dog, every squirrel, every tiger, every lion, every creation is taught. Perfect. That's it. This is, this is what it is. They're not changing. But humans change. How many times have you seen people change? Not just from being a baby to getting older. How many times have you seen adults change? An angry person became calm. A complainer became satisfied. How many times have we seen people become different? You never see an elephant change his diet. He never says, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to have something else. You never see a cow decide, you know what? We're going to take on steaks now. How much grass can we eat? never happens because they're done they're complete humans are not like that and throughout life Hashem gives us opportunities for godliness by putting people around us that need us some less some more some near some far sometimes he really pushes our hand sometimes he lets us push a child's given to us that's pushing our hand in a big way 
We almost have no choice but that. That's the feelings that we have. It's not so much coming from our kindness. It's that we feel there's no choice. And then we start developing the giving and giving. And all of a sudden, we become givers, not just to our children. We start being givers to our neighbors. And we start actually giving our own parents that we ignored for 25 years. The children who respect their parents after they have their own children is way more than before they had their own children. Not because now they realized. They realized before too. But now they're practicing it. They're using their kindness. They're elevating themselves. When you elevate yourself in one area, you become elevated. You know, in the, in the desert, the Midrash says, how did they find these precious stones that were needed for the construction of the Mishkan? There were certain stones that you can't find them. You can't find them today if you go to the diamond district, you can't find them. They're in a desert. They're going to find these stones with certain sizes and certain colors. Where are they getting them from? So the Midrash says, these stones, to some people, came down with the man. Some people, every day, they got man. Six days a week. Some people, they looked at the package and they saw an amethyst stone. Whoa, what is that? What a gift, could you imagine? Imagine you go buy some food for your family and you found a huge diamond. Gorgeous. Some people got these precious stones. And when it came time to the building of the Mishkan, they said, okay, Rabotai, we need a stone. And now you have to come and give it. So the Midrash says that's the way they got the stones. So the question is obvious. If anyway Hashem is making a miracle, to rain down stones, that doesn't happen. So why not just rain them down on the Mishkan? If that's the purpose of these stones, let them just go straight into the Mishkan. Straight into the collection bowl. Why do they have to go to somebody's house and he has to give it to them? By now the answer should be obvious. Hashem doesn't need our help. Not to build the Mishkan, not for the stones either. Of course He could bring the stones straight down to the Mishkan. But He wants you to give it. He wants to give you the diamond. Now you feel it's yours. You're so excited about it. You're counting the money every day. And then all of a sudden someone says, Oh, we need that diamond. Oh, it's my diamond. Well, you got it last week only. I know what. It's mine. You're already dreaming how to spend it. You already have your own homes in different parts of the country. You're going on vacation. or You have it all spent already. And someone says, well, we need it. Hashem says, we got to give you the diamond. <coughs> I can't give you my diamond. What do you mean you can't give me my diamond? We need it. By the way, that story of man and diamonds or stones coming down, it's not a one-time story. 
It's not a one-time incident. You know, it sounds weird. Diamonds came with the man. It's only weird because we never saw it. That's not a one-time historical event. That's the story of our lives. There are some people who get into their bank account money that they need and money that other people need. Hashem deposits other people's money in your bank account. He gives you other people's parnasa in your business. He could have given it to them. He gave it to you. He put it on your door. Because He wants you to give it. He wants you to eat your man and He wants you to give the extra to those that it belongs to. Giving charity is a responsibility. Not just to give money, but who are you giving? You got to make sure they need because the money that you were given is earmarked for somebody needy. Somebody's missing money because they gave it to you. You got to find the owner. It's like a lost object. Would you take a lost object and just return it randomly to somebody and say, well, I returned it. What do you mean you returned it? You didn't give it to the rightful owner. Giving charity is a responsibility. Who are you giving to? Are they really in need? Are you giving to them just because they're your friends? Or are you giving to them because you see the need? It's not so easy. But we got to do some effort. The extra money we have isn't ours. It's ours to give. So that we can become a godly person. So let's go back to our children. Who owes who? First of all, like I said, 99% wasn't even us. The 1% that's us was a kindness, so we can't ask for a return. And if you actually analyze the 1%, it's not even the kindness that we did for them. It's the kindness they did for us. In reality, we should turn to our children and say, thank you for the zechut to be your mother. By the way, it's not so bad to tell your children once in a while. It's a merit to be your father. Thank you for that merit. Where would I be today if not for you? Thank you for that. There's also hakarata Torah. When people elevate you. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're going to seat them in the front chair. It doesn't mean they're going to make the kiddush on the Friday table. But that's the feeling we need to have around the people that we give to. You're giving money to an organization that's helping people. you got to kiss their feet that they accepted your money. You have to thank them till no end that they gave you the opportunity to help others. They did a lot more for you than you did for them. What are you walking around with your head up? What are you walking around in an arrogant way? If anything, they should have over you. Thank them till no end that they gave you the opportunity to help. And the same with the rabbi to his students. 
got to thank them for giving you the zechut to be able to teach them. I know it's not the way the mind normally works, but that's the emet, that's the truth. And guess what? It's because sometimes we lack this truth that a lot of misery comes into our lives. Because sometimes the wrong mindset doesn't end by the wrong mindset. There's a lot of branches to that wrong mindset, and they're very rotten, those branches. So be careful in the trap of the close relationships. Be careful of all the people that you're doing for. Be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking you're the one that put them on the map. You're the one that's owed everything. You're the one. Because with that mindset, which is false, as we've explained, that mindset brings you to arrogance. And arrogance leads to a lot of negativity. Besides the terrible midah, just in child raising, an arrogant father, an arrogant mother, or better yet, one who acts with arrogance. Always feels disappointed. Your spouse is never gonna give you as much as you expect. You're disappointed. After all I do, that's all I got. That's it. A diamond earring? Where's the diamond? Can't even see it. That's it. You got me a card? That's what I get? Card? When you start expecting because you deserve there's not enough that anyone can give you. Your children will disappoint you all the time. Look at yourself, I'm working like a slave to these kids. That's what they do. Especially when they get older, when they get younger, they're still good. They still say thank you because you told them to. When they get older, teenagers, you'll say, I worked all my life for this reaction? You mean you're not coming home and like kissing my feet? Now you got older, smarter, now you know what I did for you? What are you doing? So hurtful, so disappointing. You know why? What's, what's, what's putting the fire of disappointment? Because in your mind, look what you did. Look how much you did. How much are you owed and you're not getting it? So you live in misery. Because you're not getting enough respect from the people that you help. Oh, the guy I gave him money, he's not even calling me. He's not bowing to me when I come to shul. He didn't give me honor when I gave that organization money. 
so disappointing. You know how many people walk around disappointed all day from the very people they're close to? You don't get so disappointed from strangers. You get disappointed from close people. And where does that stem from, all that pain? It could be they're not doing enough, but that's their page. That's their problem. But the pain that we have is coming from a certain ga'ava, a feeling that we have done so much for you. So I'm on top, you're below. So could you show that, please? Could you recognize that, please? In words and deed and actions. That's one of the branches of ga'ava in a home. A lot of disappointment, a lot of pain. And I don't care who you're married to, I don't care how great your children are, if you have that attitude of gava in your home, you're going to get hurt. Because records have shown that people just don't do enough to show hakaratato, to reality. And even if they did, sometimes your expectation maybe even more. Very often that attitude of gava makes us makes us feel that our children are our property. Like I own a car and I basically guide it. Wherever it's gonna go, I'm gonna tell you where it goes. It's my car. I want to go, I go. Where am I stop? Someone says, Wait, who, who told you you could tell the car where to go? He said, Wait, I own it. Here's the deed. It's my car. Well, very many people, because of their ga'ava, think that they own their children. We don't own our children, they're guests in our home to give us the zikhut. We don't own them. We're there to help, we're there to guide, we're there to show. But they're not us. You know how many people are in pain because they look at their children as property and therefore need to own every one of their decisions? They don't let them breathe because it's not what I want. I don't want that for you. But you're not me. I'm your mother. You're the reason that I'm that you're here. No, he's not. It's a mistake. It's a terrible mistake that leads mothers and fathers to hold on so tight to their children that they don't let them grow. They don't let them become independent. They don't let them think for themselves. Of course we have to guide and show in the best of our ability. Of course. We have to watch and we have to guard and we have, but there's an age for everything and there's a time for everything. There comes a time where your children are their own people and you're there to help, to guide, but you don't own. The difference between owning a child or guiding a child is shamayim va'aretz. It's the difference between heaven and earth. When you guide your children and you help them, it's a beautiful relationship. They may not always get it right, but you're right there with them. 
But when you hold on tight to them, and they need to come to you for everything, and they need to follow your wishes and everything because that's what you want, and that's what you like, because they're yours, it's like a car to you. You're not allowing their energy, their strength to come out. When they get married, they don't have to come to you. They don't have to come to you. It's not a must. You don't own them. Say so you're invited to come anytime, but you don't have to. We love you either way. I know that sounds hard for many mothers and fathers, but you don't own them. It causes a lot of tension when you feel they need to come to you. They feel it, you feel it, it's uncomfortable. You're always invited, but you never have to come, always. By the way, when that's the attitude, they always want to come. <laughs> but when it's tension, you have to come, you have to be so heavy. So we end up being our own enemy. It's another branch of arrogance in a home. Ownership of a child instead of leadership and help. There's a lot more in the way of the bad branches. But I'm going to stop and just give you here the last one. By the way, the Ramban, in his famous letter, I think alludes to this. He doesn't say it outright, but I think he's alluding to it. He says the following, right in the beginning of his letter to his son, short letter. He says, tamid. Your custom should always be as follows. Ledaber, you speak, call all your words. Means whenever you speak, you should speak benahat. Nahat just doesn't mean calmly. Nahat means with respect. Nahat means with humility. Nahat means, could you please get me the cup? Now, I mean, mother, get me the cup. No. Nahat, respect, humility. Done. You should have put a period right there. What, what else? You should say all your words benahat. That's it. But he continues. And he says, Le call Adam to every person. Of course to every person. Did we think people are talking to monkeys? When he said you should speak all your words benahat, who did we imagine we're talking to? Of course we're talking to people. What does he mean, let call Adam? To every person. Who is he coming to include? To every person. In my heart of hearts, I feel he's coming to include our children. He's coming to include the people that owe us. The people that we're helping. The people that we're teaching. The people that we're leading. 
the people that work for us, we pay their checks. We give them the money, we gave them the opportunity. Yeah, I'll talk to all people, Benahat, but you know, these people, you know how much they owe me? No. Like, call Adam. Call Adam. Every person. Even the ones that you don't think, like I just mentioned. Like, call Adam. Ubechol'et. And in every situation. Don't think your situation is different because look how much I've done. In this case, I know normally you're right, but in this case, I've done everything for that person. This is different, says the Rambantis and Sinat. No matter the person, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done for them, make sure you stay humble in your actions and in your words. I'll just end off. One of the things that I did mention as a bad branch of Gava, a very ugly, hurtful branch of arrogance in life, is disappointment. I don't know if anyone could have said it better than David Melech in Tehillim. He says, Ani amarti behofzi. He says, when I wasn't thinking, I didn't come to this class. So I wasn't thinking, I was just going about my life, not really putting thought. That's called hofzi. Haste, that's called hofzi. You know what I said when I was in haste, when I lived my life without thinking? Three words. Kol ha'adam kozeb. All of humanity is a disappointment. The word kozeb means disappointment. But it also comes from the root word Kazab, which means lying. You see, when you think that somebody is supposed to give you something and they don't, it's like living a lie. You didn't give me what you owe me. It's called Kazab. Disappointment comes when you don't get what you think you're owed. That feeling of not getting is a lie that becomes a bitter disappointment in your heart. Says David Melech, if I live without thought, if I don't class, if I don't come to this class, Simha 76, and I don't sit down to think, by the way, I haven't told you today anything like a major theft. These are simple things. Nobody's walking out of here saying, wow, what a haidush. Can't believe it. These are haidushim, it's simple. Sometimes the simplicity is so deep that people don't find it. But it's simple. 
But that's what David Amir says. When I don't sit down and think, I end up, not just my daughter is disappointing, my son is disappointing, my, everybody is a disappointment. Rashi Allah Shalom on the Pasuk comes to say, like what? When David Amir is saying, everyone is disappointing, like, like who? Who is he pointing at? When he says, call Adam. So that she gives three examples. And perhaps they have three different categories of life disappointment that we need to be concerned about. First one that she brings, Kiraiti et beni bogedbi. So disappointed he was in his son Absalom that tried to take the kingdom from him. Even went so far as to kill, he wanted to kill his father. We've had some disappointment with our kids. I'm not sure if we had that much. Says David Amalek, I was so disappointed. When I was in haste, I was so disappointed in my children and my family. How many people could stand up and say that? They know better than that. I want to share a story with you about a woman who was living in a nursing home. And every week, somebody from her family would come and visit and bring her something. Her friend next door had the same exact situation. In the nursing home, every week somebody would come home with him. One of the ladies was talking to the nurse who was in charge of both. She says, you know, my family, so disappointing. After everything I did for them, all these years, once a week, once a week, that's it. And they come with a with a banana. That's it. That's what I'm worth. A banana. Salad. Nurse felt very bad for her. She's so hurt. She goes to visit her friend next door. She's tell me, do you get visits? You have a family? Oh, he doesn't have a wonderful family. He says, not a week goes by without somebody coming to visit. And they never come empty-handed. Something, always something in the hand. What differentiates between these two people? Everything was the same, except disappointment because of expectation. When you expect, you get disappointed. And it's not easy not to expect. You have to come to this class to learn why you shouldn't expect. People say all the time, you know, don't expect it, you won't be disappointed. 
What did you help? You didn't help anybody. You think I want to expect? I expect because that's what I do. If we don't teach a person why they shouldn't expect, we haven't helped them. Today's class is helping us to learn why not to expect. Because there is no reason to expect. Because that's the truth, not just a, a saying to make ourselves feel happier. It's the reality. Expectations are false. They're part of the ga'ama. A person with ga'ama has many expectations. Some for nonsense, and some even for things that they did. But it's ga'ama nonetheless. Says David Melech, you could be so disappointed from your family. You could be so hurt from your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The second explanation says Rashi, Vekol Yisrael gomlim I'm a leader, I'm a king. I do so much for these people. Would you believe they're talking about me? The guy, I saved his life. He's talking about me. I can tell you something personally happened to me. That if I didn't have this class in my head, I probably would have lost my sanity. I had a, a regular situation. You know, I don't spend time on Shiduchim. Not because I don't want to. I just don't have the time to. There's not enough time. Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. I just don't have the time. Everything's got a price. So Baruch Hashem, I try to give it to other people. Have other people working with me. And even then it's not enough. There was one situation that I had to get involved for whatever reason. They needed me personally to get involved. And I put everything on the side. And I can tell you for a couple of days, I was literally living the shiduch of somebody else's daughter. Meeting with people, trying to figure out what the issue is, trying to make it work. Everything you could have imagined. And it didn't work. And months later, I hear that the people I helped were talking about me. How they really didn't want to help. your motives. Now, Baruch Hashem, I have this before I gave this class. And I understand that people get hurt. And people are hurting for their children and they don't mean it. It's not coming from a bad place. When people are hurt, they say things they don't mean. And honestly, I love them and I would help them just as much again. But when you expect from people that you help, you're a leader, you're helping someone, you're helping their child, you're helping them. You know how many times it happens where the people that you're helping end up turning on you? It's going to happen to you. If it didn't happen to you, you're just not leading. Of course it's going to happen to you. 
says David HaMelech, it happened to me. I do everything for these people. And every so often you hear something, someone does something. Call Yisrael Gomlinri. Call Yisrael, not one Jew. Call Yisrael. I don't know what they were doing there. All of Yisrael. So let no leader feel bad. Call Yisrael Gomlinri Ra'at Ahadola. And the third one says Rashi. Af Shmuel Hanavi. You know, you know who made me king? You know who gave me this position? Shmuel Hanavi. The prophet Shmuel. Ne'eman Lenavi. He's a trustworthy prophet of God. Af Hukozet. He's also a disappointment. Shemeshahani Lemelech. He's the one that gave me this job. You know what his complaint is on? Not Shmuel. Shmuel didn't act on his own. He's a prophet. God sent him. Sometimes we're disappointed in the creator of the world. We get so disappointed. I don't say, God, I prayed this morning. I give charity. I work hard. I keep Shabbat. What is going on? Why am I not married? Why don't I have a child? Why am I suffering here? You know how many times you have those feelings? Especially when we do good things. Says David Melech. If you're in haste and you don't sit down to think, that's what you would be. Disappointed in your family, disappointed in your students, disappointed in the people that you help, that you lead. You'll be disappointed in your employees. How many employers are disappointed with their employees? They gave them a raise. Oh, not enough. What? Not enough? I didn't, you didn't even ask me for a raise. I gave it to you. Yeah, but you know, you should have given me more. And they talk about you to other people. How you're not a good, kind person. I can't believe it. What are you talking about? And you'll be disappointed in the creator of the world. Disappointment comes from expectation. And as today we learned, false expectation. Because there's no reason to ever expect. Because even when we do for the people that we do most for, the more you do, the more zechut you got. There's never reason to expect from anyone any kind of good behavior or kindness or thank yous, never. Not from your children, not grandchildren, not great, no plan. There's never a reason to expect, ever. And not from the creator of the world either. Because let's not forget, he owes us nothing. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe him a lot. And we're not paid up. Not even close. When we have gava, we have expectations. When we have expectations, we have disappointment. When we have disappointment, it's a very bitter life that has many ugly, ugly branches to it. In any relationship that we're with. And the only solution is what David Amelech is 
alluding to. Ani amarti. When when do I feel like this? You know when? Behofzi. When I'm not thinking. But today, as we're thinking, and we're learning, and we're understanding, and we have to do hazara. This is not a type of place where you hear it once and you leave and you got it. Not like that. You gotta review it. You gotta write it. You gotta practice it. You gotta go to sleep and I think, wait, did I do that today? Did I do right today? How did I speak to my children today? Did I speak with humility? Did I say please? What did I demand? How did I speak to the people that are under me? How did I expect from them? What did I expect altogether? We have to take notes of ourselves daily because we haven't lived like this. And when you live in haste, it's automatic. Call Ha'adam Kuzir. Call Ha'adam. By the way, Call Ha'adam means even the people that I know, that I don't know, they all disappointed. A person can get to a certain level in life where it gets disappointed five, six, seven times, where they say, you know what? All of humanity is a disappointment. Well, you don't know that guy. I know. He's for sure a disappointment. Call Ha'adam. But you don't know Call Ha'adam. I know them all enough. They're all disappointments. What a horrible way to live. All due to Ga'ala. This is my beracha to all of us today. As you see, humility is a very big deal. Humility reaches very, very far into so many areas in life. With humility, it's a different world. And today, we learn about one of the great traps of arrogance. That you could be humble to everyone, including the Creator, but to the people that you give most to, you can become full, you can be falling in a trap. Because you feel, them I can expect. Them I can be over. And today we've learned it's not so. My barakat to you is that we should Bring these words home. We should, Be'ezrat Hashem, live according to these beautiful words because they will turn all of life around in so many ways. Baruch Allah, Allah, Amen, Amen.